everybody has Jody's off screen there. I'm Eleanor Hayward. Welcome so much to Reconciling Humanity. Really grateful to be streamed on Hopeful TV or Hopeful Radio and Skyward TV. Here we are to discuss mental health and spirituality, specifically with the purpose of this show with Reconciling Humanity is to discuss truth and reconciliation in Canada and decolonization in a process that is rather institutional and policy driven, but yet we also need to learn how to decolonize our minds and our hearts. So if you're interested in wellness about the world and about people, then you are in the right place. So stay tuned. Welcome to my guest Jody or my co-host Jody Harbour and our guest today, Angela de Montigny. I will start with a land acknowledgement and we will jump right in with the beautiful ladies to my side here. So really grateful today. Um, I identify as a settler descendant. Um, my blood is English, Irish, Welsh, and Scottish. And I acknowledge the past and current stewards of this land, the Haudenosaunee, Wendat Huron, and Ottawandaron peoples. Today I am in Burlington, which is between Toronto and Niagara Falls, and wanting to honor all of the wonderful elements of creation that exist, including the four directions, the land, the waters, the plants, the animals, and the ancestors that walked before us. Our territory is subject to the dish with one spoon wampum belt covenant, which is an agreement to peaceably share and care for the lands and relationships around the Great Lakes. Specifically, I am grateful for the autumn colors, the fresh air, even when it's raining, like I just love fall and autumn. This is my favorite season and loving seeing all the animals getting ready for winter and the shift of the tides. We just had a, a solar eclipse and a new moon and being in touch with the the realms that are often beyond our, our five senses. So thank you for joining us here today. Jody, would you like to share with us how you've met Angela? Mm, of course. Hi, everyone. Scano, Jody Nigasso. I'm uh, Jody Harbour, and um, I'm of uh, I'm an urban Indigenous woman and have uh, have just been enjoying my life as that. And, uh, and especially in the last 10 years, really being able to embrace who I am in community and, uh, and really stepping into my responsibility, you know, at a time when Indigenous ways of knowing and history, history is, you know, needs to be heard and just supporting wherever I can with the knowledge that I have and that I carry. Uh, my my great grandmothers of the Cayuga Nation, Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. On my mom's side, uh, sorry, that's on my dad's side, and on my mom's side, I'm um, English and Romanian. I'm a mother of two, and uh, I have a son and a daughter and a husband, and that's and a dog who may bark at some point in time. Uh, but I had the the pleasure of engaging with Angela 
one day, I think I like I emailed her and then we ended up on the phone. I called her. I called her her shop in Hamilton by when she had her her shop where she was a fashion designer. And and truly it was so funny. I was I was on my my healing journey, which we, you know, connecting to your roots and wanting to know more about, you know, what I can share with my children. I started to do, you know, research and then I was, you know, um started to become curious about, you know, clothing and fashion because I, I always um, I had this one girlfriend of mine growing up. She had she always wore feather earrings. She wasn't indigenous, but I was. And she was like, well, you know, it's just her fashion. Um, but I I always tried my best to show my indigeneity, I guess you could say. And and people would question, uh, you know, well, you know, what tribe are you, you know, back then? And so um I had that interest of really being able to show who I was on the outside without, you know, um, because I don't look indigenous enough to some people, right. You know, when I say I'm indigenous, it's always about, you know, well, what, what percent are you? Yeah. That's a good one. I like when they all have, what percentage of indigenous are you? And, and so, uh, you know, that's a reality for someone like me. And, um, and so when I, I called Angela and she was just like, so cool. She's like, Hey, yeah, come to my shop. And, um, uh, I never did, you know, I didn't make it to the shop, uh, but I, you know, I started to follow her and then I was so intrigued because of how whole she was as a woman and, and things that she did. And, and I really, I related with someone like her, you know, um, not because I thought she was cool and had great hair and, you know, it was gorgeous, <laughs> and, you know, strong woman. Uh, that always helps when you feel like you have something in common with someone. <laughs> um, but I did, you know, I just really was proud, you know, and I, along my way and my journey, I've met really proud women. And it just, you know, when you, you meet them, you just, it's, it, it gives you, it encourages you to be your yourself. So I thank you, um, Angela, for being you. And I'm I'm proud that you are here with us today. I'm honored and and honored that you know we have a relationship and we're doing this together. So uh, Nyawa, for for being here and uh, tell us about you know because you do a lot of stuff and you're great at everything you're doing. And so how do you do that? What do you do? How do you do it? Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I like to say that it's, that I'm divinely inspired all the time, you know, and when you are connected and, and, you know, this has been, you know, through a number of years and I, and I think my sort of spiritual practice has informed everything that I do. So, and everything is, is with purpose. So, it's it's my way of helping others in a sense by um, in the, in the fashion design was really about um, creating beauty, but because I you know incorporated my cultural heritage as well as you know sort of contemporary designs so that you know they gave people a sense that we're wearing a sense of their own identity or, you know, people could feel the spirit in the clothes when, when I created them for them. And then educating people has always been about um, changing people's perspective of who we are as contemporary indigenous people, because, you know, the, the more that I traveled around the world realized how little people know about us. They have a very um, stereotypical, incorrect view of indigenous people throughout turtle island north america and so 
my my doing this i've been a, a bit of a pioneer in that sense and and doing things in a what i i came to realize was indigenous luxury which to a lot of people is kind of an oxymoron like I don't, what do you mean like <laughs> people didn't actually know what indigenous fashion was um so it's been very new it's been like almost 30 years of pushing that idea forward because you know we're always dealing with cultural appropriation especially in art and fashion in the rest of the world and and so showing like we have this is part of our culture who we are we are still here you know it's still a part of who we are it's you know those indians you know the people thought disappeared you know, a few hundred years ago, actually, that's not the case. We are still here. So it's, it's getting people to relearn history. And I do that through, through art and fashion and, and lifestyle products. And there are always teaching moments for people. So even, you know, using um, legends and things like that for for some of my um, fashion collections, like of the stars. And I started incorporating Cree language into some of the imagery, like embroidery on my jackets. And there's Cree cosmology. People don't know that. They don't know our stories. And doing it in a way that's kind of cool that, you know, people are learning, even though they may not realize that they're learning, right? So it's like, well, somebody might buy something because they think it's cool and then beautiful and they love it. But if someone wanted to go, like, there's many, many layers. And so I love, that's just how I I work. And, you know, I came to realize it um, a couple of years ago when I had to, unfortunately, close my boutique, which I had been there um, in a downtown location in a major uh, arts street in Hamilton on James Street North for about six years that I became, I was the only sort of entity that was indigenous in the city in that sense. And so kind of became a bit of an ambassador in the sense, because I was, you know, also promoting and, and showing people other indigenous art and artists and selling their products and doing little art shows and things like that in a very, high-end way, which people don't normally, you know, expect. So, so I got to know people in the city, especially the arts community and, and, um, and, and the creative communities. And it was a stepping stone to, you know, what I got to do next. And so having to close the store at the beginning or the first lockdown of the pandemic, which was really hard, it was 25 years of me, you know, trying to become um, an international um, indigenous designer and doing, you know, some really groundbreaking shows in South Africa and, you know, different fashion weeks around the world. And then having to like, okay, I can't do that right now. So I had, I always did numerous smaller collections that were attached to the fashion and soy candles was one of them. And I didn't set out to become a candle maker. It wasn't about that. They were, they were tools for healing and ceremony. And so one of one of them called ceremony that I actually created for myself um, because I was so busy, you know, traveling and running business. And I've been a single mom for 20 years and I have two 
kids and it it was kind of crazy the amount of work that I was doing on my own and then I couldn't attend some of our largest ceremonies at our lodge um, near Six Nations and so one day I just kind of sat down and imagined and meditated on what it smelled like what it felt like to be in the lodge in the ceremony and what we do is we we um, smudge with burning cedar smoke before we go into the lodge to remove anything negative that we may be carrying because we're going into a sacred space and then we're burning our medicines or sage and our sweetgrass when we're in there and then as a, a pipe carrier and what that means is that I have a I've been I've earned and been gifted a tool which when you smoke that sacred tobacco you are praying for other people as well as yourself and so it's it's a huge responsibility so if someone comes to you for help that you are responsible to to help them and it's a direct connection to creator and all of my ancestors and spirit guides and helpers and it's so powerful so when you smoke that tobacco the smoke literally that's one of our as indigenous people one of our most important medicines it takes our prayers up to creator and so you're putting that and, and people are praying and they're putting their tobacco and their prayers into a sacred fire, which is doing the same thing. I put that, all of those oils and that intention into a, a candle mm-hmm. thinking nobody would understand on any level other than they thought it smelled nice because, you know, those oils and those medicines are powerful and they're grounding and they remove negative energy and, and what they do. And to this day, so this was like almost 13 years ago, I can't keep that candle in stock. So people could feel it. And so when you start to understand how energy works, how prayer works, how intention works, how I'm able to channel that, you know, through my my own ancestors into something like that, and how it helps people, you know, it's just been like, learning that and expanding on it and so i moved from indigenous fashion at the beginning of the pandemic into indigenous wellness so was able to move all that online it was a huge learning curve but knowing that these these small things and having your own sacred fire basically just in a a candle which is what we do sometimes when we can't have a, a real sacred fire how powerful that was and the healing that it brought people. And because of my getting to know people in the city and the the arts community was given an opportunity to, I was asked, I came, I I had an, I I had an idea and my uh, friend that I knew had an idea and he said, there's a public call for art for the city of Hamilton. And it's, the theme is it's going to go down at the waterfront and the theme is water and we never see indigenous artists apply for these things and i know why because oh my god what a hugely difficult um procedure that is and you need a whole team behind you and because uh jeremy freiberger who runs cobalt connects that's what he does is he manages public art projects so he said i love your beadwork i love you know, your art, I've been watching you over the years. What do you think? Can you come up with something that sort of incorporates that? And so I did. And the more I thought about it, it's like, okay, so yes, the water is important. 
water is life, but so is everything that's around it and what that water supports. And so how I do my, my own personal ceremonies and my prayers, you know, I've always been taught to acknowledge and give thanks because that's what I do every morning is give thanks to everything, all beings, because as human beings, we are just one small part of a bigger picture, right? So the the four-legged, the winged ones, the, cre- the creatures that crawl and swim, the, the water, grandmother earth, grandmother moon, grandfather sun, all of, um, all of the ancestors in the stars, you know, the uh, thunder beings, all of that, the four sacred winds and how, so I realized it couldn't just be about the water. It had to be about everything because I wanted people to become aware of everything that surrounds us and the importance of it, that we are all connected. We are in relationship. That's why we call them our relations. And so that, so my drawings in order to incorporate all of that, I didn't just do, you know, design one sculpture. It became five. <laughs> so in the end, and then I was like, it has to be made of natural material. And in order to do, and it has to be colorful and it has to be glass. And yeah. so we just went through this crazy process and found a, a local artist who does, you know, is a, a glass blower and made handmade glass beads. This has never been done before in the history. Beads were like that big, eh? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like that big and they weigh like a couple pounds each. And so I had, he wrapped a team around me of, you know, um, a structure, structural engineers, um, a, well, the glass blower, um, a steel fabricator. And because of what it represented and the beauty of it, and everybody could imagine what it would look like having the sun, you know, shine through through the beads, through the glass, that that we won. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so through it's been a four-year process. There have been nothing but delays and then COVID and costs went crazy. And and because nobody had done this before, it was so, it was very challenging. It was a learning curve for absolutely everybody. But the fact that the delays, you know, even with the city and the and the foundation of the park that they built, I didn't realize, you know, there were foundations that they had to build to, in order to um, support these structures, which are 40 feet tall each and 11 feet wide. And they weigh like tons right so you have to be able so anyways what ended up up happening is and this is where i really it hit home about divine timing Mm -hmm. is that at the beginning of this process there was one i think maybe two but one for sure indigenous woman who was working at the city who was you know, working in what they were starting to create as an urban indigenous strategy, the city of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. In the last few months, all of a sudden, they hired an indigenous curator. They hired uh, a couple of other, there's a whole team of indigenous people working in the city now that were never there before that were my support. All of a sudden, you know, we were able to, because of the delays, we were able to, um, because I built in a com- an education component 
that I wanted to have to be able to, you know, share the teachings of this and invite schools and have that included in, you know, high school curriculums, grade school as well. We, uh, Jeremy was able to get a grant. And so we were able to, in the spring, um, we paid for the busing and for the food and, and we had an entire week of workshops where we brought um, 150 high school students from 11 Hamilton area schools and two from Bradford, where they came and they they went to the Art Gallery of Hamilton, which at the time still had the uh, Radical Stitch, um, this amazing Indigenous beadwork exhibit, which was completely tied into what I, my art project, which, you know, I took them down to the site down by the water and this is where it's going to be. And then they went to... Um, we did workshops with them and I invited some of my friends who are Indigenous artists from, from different kinds of mediums. They learned about the public art process. And then each one of them, we were able to get one small uh, section of one of the panels where they could actually put in a bead themselves. So these are like, you know, grade 10 to 12 students, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And, and you're like, it's hard to inspire any teenager. I mean, let's be honest. And they were so, oh my God, they were so excited. Like the teachers would send me emails like afterwards. And it's like, they are still like a month later, they're still talking about it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we were able to do that and then even more delays, it was like down to the wire, but because of that, and we wanted to, to enable, you know, just the general public, anybody who wants to come in and be a part of it, because it's about, it's community building. And so people came down in, in the summer and they, you know, sometimes came, you know, for like an entire week and went and put in beads in the installation for us. And they met other people that they didn't know. And then they feel like they have, like, this art is part of them. And so, and that's what I wanted. And apparently that's never been done before either. So it's yeah. truly something for the public. And then the park that they built to house the sculptures is now going to be a dedicated space for the urban indigenous community in the city where we can have sacred fires and gatherings and things. And so those are things that I couldn't have possibly hoped for. And then on September 30th, when we had our actual, a huge ceremony and installation and national truth and reconciliation day. And oh my gosh, there were hundreds of people that showed up the indigenous community, as well as, everybody else. And it was just a sea of orange shirts. And we had elders talking and uh, uh, Elder Norman Jacobs who talked about, you know, residential school and, and Chief uh, LaForm. And, and and we had, you know, a young man, Nathan, who, do, who did the uh, Thanksgiving address. And it was so moving. And people were in tears, like, you know, throughout the day. It was, you know, we had, you know, we made a coloring book for, you know, of the, the, art installation so kids could color and learn about you know what everything meant and so it was like the most incredible day I think I've ever had in my life so what has come from that is healing mm. so it's it's been amazing to see that this this art is has become it has its own spirit it's a working thing and so, you know, there was there was something that, you know, kind of negative happened, as I know, you know, um, the next day. 
And so, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about that because somebody, it, it's about colonized thinking and people, and many people are not aware because we have grown up in that kind of environment and that way of thinking and understanding how, you know, some, something that someone does thinking that they're doing something good, but realizing it caused harm. So Hamilton Volkswagen, there was, um, they posted something um, right after our huge celebration and in connection and some, a young man had taken a photograph of one of their new Atlas vehicles in front of one of my sculptures. And what they did was, is they, the, the beginning of the post was about, you know, we're, we're, promoting our new vehicle and then at the bottom said oh and we want to you know say you know happy national truth and reconciliation day and this beautiful artwork by angela de montanay all our relations i didn't see it until like you know maybe i don't know 11 almost almost noon but i was getting these notifications on instagram from people on my team and like what is happening and i looked at it and i was like are you kidding me and so then I posted, you know, how I felt about that. And it just blew up. So the wonderful thing about that is that there were so many people who were like non-Indigenous as well, who were calling them out for like, this is wrong. You're using um, a very sacred day, um, an, an art, Indigenous art as a way of promoting a car. And so that so many people recognize that, that this isn't okay. And they started phoning and it was on Twitter. It's like people were phoning the dealership. I'm sure it was like their worst day ever. <laughs> but what I did was um, people were asking for them to, you know, offer an apology. And so I did. I got a call from the general manager, um, Tim Johnson, from um, Hamilton Niagara. And, you know, a very heart... Well, at first, I don't think he quite understood why people were so upset. So after talking to him, realized it's that, you know, I know you think that you were doing something positive, but this is a... a very colonized way of doing things mm -hmm. and this may be how you how you have operated in the past but especially on you're co-opting this day and you're not really understanding you know the harm that you're doing to the indigenous community and to myself by doing that and of course there was never that intention they never had that intention they thought they were doing something good so um he apologized the young man who took the photo who actually didn't even realize that there was something happening that day. Cause it was after we were packing up and it was a closed off, it's still a live construction site. So once our ceremony was over and we were all packing up, mm -hmm. he had to actually sneak in a gate cause it was all fenced off mm -hmm. to get his car in there. And I, I heard from one of the, this, my, 
team in the city said that he asked that man to young man to leave because you're not supposed to be here, but not understanding what he was doing. He was just taking photos mm-hmm. of his car, right? Anyways, um, they were both men were quite upset and that they, you know, doing something that has upset so many people. But what I did was I, I asked the general manager if he would not only uh, write a public apology, but um, if he would, you know, if their company would, you know, provide a donation to, um, I chose the Hamilton Regional Indian Center, if they would give a donation to them. And, and he agreed. And so he, he's, sent me an apology and I looked it over before I, I reposted it. And, and then I went down to the waterfront and met the young photographer and, you know, talked to him about that. And, you know, these are all teaching moments. That's, I, I had to educate them about why this was wrong and, and how you could do better. And, and they did seem to get it. I mean, they were, you know, heartfelt people and then the next day, um, I asked the general manager to, he said, well, you know, I've got a check here for, you know, for HRIC, I can give it to you and you can get it. I said, no, 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 you're going to come with me down to the center and you're going to meet the executive director and you're going, I want you to see what they do there and have a, a one-on-one with them. So that was amazing. He did that and they... To their credit, I'm so impressed with them. They said, we, we actually can't accept this donation. But what we want you to do is we want you to commit to building a relationship with us. We would like you to take cultural sensitivity training for yourself and become a leader in your organization and teach your staff and the people that work for you about this. And he, and he agreed. And, and so this turned into a beautiful, positive thing. So instead of getting angry, you know, it's, it's about teaching people a whole different way of operating, which, you know, you, you have to realize that people don't know. And so this, this art installation is doing its work. And so when you look at how spirit works and how all of that intention and prayer and, and, all of that, how powerful that is. And so, you know, I'm ho- I hope, I'm hoping that I can get that across to people, that that's how it works. And then it will just keep rippling out. Yeah. So beautiful. I, I mute myself, not just because of my dog. I mute myself because I'm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I, and I would hear that at the podcast. <laughs> right. I know. But I would interrupt so often because I get, I get so excited, like full of goosebumps. You know, I, it resonates everything that you talk, that you shared, um, you know, as I think indigenous people moving forward where they are, where like, it's not just us healing, it's a nation healing. Mm-hmm. And so that is that installation. That's ex- when I saw that and and watched everything you talked about, I watched it. I watched it through, you know, your social media and just knowing um, what they could experience through you know, the children, the youth, you know, the community. I'm doing that in my own community. And I and I believe and I trust and I pray that one day it's it's as as welcoming 
as as you were um, welcomed and wrapped around and all of that because it's not easy. You say it so gracefully, Angela. The way that you are sharing your story, it's it comes with a lot of grace. Um, it's not that easy. No, when things like that happen in the moment. I mean, it's it's like you know me. I mean, you, I, I want to be with you in the room when it's happening to you because it, when it happens, it happens to your body. It happens inside your spirit. So, you know, Nyawa for, for being so strong in the community and rising and raising, you know, the vibration of the people and the community, the whole community. Uh, so good for you on that, on that, um, that project and your candles. Mine is like over there on my altar. <laughs> and, you know, I, I love it. I have them everywhere. And, um, you know, that's another really beautiful uh, project that, that you work on. And it's, yeah, amazing what you're sharing in, in community. So I know that, um, you know, there's so much more we could speak to you about, and, but you've topped, you've, you've touched on healing. You've touched on, you know, the important thing where we're, you know, where we're at as a society. And so I know that there is, um, you know, something really near and dear that you're working on right now in in community, and we were talking a little bit about it um, backstage before uh, we went live today, and um, and it's a it's a real thing in our in our society right now. Our youth, you know, our mental um, and mind wellness, and so you know, if you can just share a little bit about that passion work that you're doing right now, uh, that's so important in our in our communities, hospitals, and and again healing. Well, unfortunately, hospitals are institutions that are run as businesses. And I mean, we all know our healthcare is, you know, in a terrible state at the moment for many reasons. But uh, through personal experience, I have come to realize that or to see the lack of compassion and care and healing, especially in the mental health area where, you know, due to so many things and the pandemic for sure was something that, you know, has really affected people in so many ways. Um, what's happening in society and the division and, and all of that um, has created so much anxiety for people and as well as, you know, our own people with the trauma that people are still, families are still dealing with and not having enough uh, people who understand that trauma and how to help people with it. And really it comes from a place where, you know, people who have experienced harm to their spirit and harm to their heart which informs everything. So um, I've decided or been asked to, to be a volunteer, uh, specifically with Brantford General Hospital. And I'm really happy to know that they are, they want to change and they understand that they need to change and they're willing to embrace um, the possibilities of other ways other forms of healing and definitely, you know, the hospital nearest to the largest uh, reservation in Canada, which is six nations on the grand river and how they treat the indigenous population is not good. It's there's 
like huge room for improvement. I don't know what that be was, but anyways. <laughs> um, so, and and this is this is how you know I'm doing this also you know for my family for for everybody else and I and I think I, I don't like to call myself a healer but basically I have. I, I am, and I have a responsibility. I feel, anyways, to do what I can to to help people or be of service, and so I do it in numerous different ways. And sometimes, like I said, it's creating beauty, or it's through art, or or whatever. But this is about, you know, my personal knowledge with working with traditional Indigenous healers and the power of it, and knowing what that can do and that that knowledge that can heal people that they are not getting access to and so in the western medical world dealing with mental health which we which is really what i would say is of epidemic proportions at the moment and everybody is you know mental health is like the buzz buzzword you know, of the decade, right? But when it comes to actually people getting the help they need for that, it's not there yet. So, you know, people at companies like Bell are using it, you know, so they're they're positioning themselves as the champion of mental health. But what are they actually doing to facilitate that help? And so I'm not seeing that in a hospital setting. And that's, you know, how you're treated as a patient. Like if you can't advocate for yourself in the healthcare system right now, you don't get the help you need. And so, you know, people need to be aware of that. And and if you're in distress, you aren't in a position to be able to advocate for yourself. You're going there, you know, thinking that you're gonna get the help you need. And when you don't, um, it's like putting a bandaid on something and then they send you on your way and then you end up coming back because there was no real healing that happened there. And so, you know, yes, you know, the system is overrun and people are overworked and, but they also, it's, it's just like basic human compassion for people and understanding, you know, like, there's a reason that there's there's something traumatic that has happened to someone which has facilitated them coming to the hospital in the first place. You need to, so they just want someone to talk to sometimes. Sometimes, yes, it's, you know, a, a drug-related thing that, but there's always a core trauma that has caused that. And if you're not getting to that place with that person, understanding that, you can't help them. And just giving them, putting them on drugs, you know, and then not necessarily having any follow-up or any care for them afterwards, it's, I'm, I think it's perpetuating the harm. So mm -hmm. I I want to, and, and to their credit, they are building, you know, the process of building a new hospital because they really need to, a new ER and, and the ER, ER situation is, is terrible and, you know, many parts of that hospital don't communicate with each other. So it's really about communication, about, you know, having an, another way of, of doing things. And so I'm hoping they seem to be very excited about the possibility of bringing in, you know, 
indigenous knowledge and ways of doing things and medicines. And they now have a, a floor in the hospital, which I didn't know about uh, previously, where families can go and they can smudge and they can um, use our medicines and make medicine and, and, and that, which is great. But it's not, you know, like I said, I didn't know about it, you know, when I, I, it could have helped, um, you know, in a few situations. So it's about having that, you know, come more into the mainstream. So people, because we know our medicines are powerful and they work. And sometimes it's just even a drum um, having access to, you know, smudging with sage, which if someone is in a, um, a stressful mode, high anxiety, whatever, it immediately calms people. And so just having, instead of using a drug, using a natural medicine that just is so simple that could, you know, facilitate so much healing. And yeah, it's the, the beauty of our culture and what we know how to do that, you know, needs to be um, incorporated into mainstream medicine. Mm -hmm. That's that. And it's thank you for sharing that, because this is, you know, a passion that Eleanor and I share, you know, which is why we're doing we're doing this together, <clears throat> bringing together, you know, we say the two worlds. But really, it's, you know, we're in the world of the creator's world. And in this, what you're sharing is is really what was left out of our society. That's what was taken culture genocide all the all of those things that we speak about um that's a reality but when we really look at at what was removed from a beautiful um you know nation land is is this way of taking care of yourself and wellness through this understanding and so um you know grandmother's voice we're so we're lucky um because that's the organization that I'm a, a founder of. We work closely with an indigenous elder um, healer. He he doesn't even call himself any of those things too. Because I'm just like a what we're we're creators helpers. That's what we are. We're creators helpers, and so he he shares the knowledge. And so sort of the grandmas, and they really believe there's this time where no, this is our knowledge. This is for us. But it's not like that. And it's not like that. We can't hold this knowledge as indigenous people. We know it's our responsibility to share this knowledge and share this with the people that are serving others. Because if they're not well, we're just like you said, you know, we're, we're just, um, it's just share and not sharing what's the word that you used. Um, yes right like we're, we're what's the word it was a p but anyway perpetuating perpetuating thank you right it's like going back and forth yeah and so we know that our our systems of oppression the hospital the educate like they're they're they need to do um they need to work harder at making sure the people within those places are well because that's you know that's where we're at as a society. This is not an easy fix, but it's, if we can make people aware of what needs to happen and why, um, and you know how how natural it is that you can heal yourself. That's what that you we are healers of self because we can heal ourselves. So I love all of that. I love the work that you're doing. Uh, you know, we're we're in that realm as well, you know, uh, with Dennis Windigo and Ontario Health and the Indigenous Health Network. So it's happening. We're penetrating 
um, you know, it's time to come together and really start to, you know, reconcile humanity. Right? Like, it's time to really look at what does this all mean? You know, what we're here together talking about the history, the realities, and that, you know, what happened to Indigenous people is actually in our society now. What happened to them is happening to all people because our, that's what happened. And so now that everybody is affected by colonization, everyone is affected in this way, um, you know, we just have to keep keep doing our work. We just have to keep being who we are and taking on our responsibility. And you do really, really a, a really good job at keeping balance, making it fun and beautiful and holistic with the W, you know, um, Eleanor, like I, I know I'm just kind of p- timing in because I'm I just like to talk and, <clears throat> you know, and, and just ignore the right, but she was great. We did, it was hard to even try to, you know, interrupt and ask a question or get involved. Like his, like I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> extremely engaging, great flow, you know. So, you know, for being here, you know, and I don't know, Eleanor, go ahead. Did you want to say something or ask or? Oh, that was so beautiful and so rich, Angela. Thank you so much, and Jody for enhancing that. I'm sorry I missed your boutique in downtown Hamilton. I live there too, um, but I do have your candle. I met you. It's interesting. I was introduced to your work through Elvira Hopper, who's a, a colleague and friend of mine, and she brought your candles to our retreat last year. And then I was following you on social media, and I went to Grandmother Voice, Grandmother's Voice Full Moon Circle in, I believe it was September. And I was like, I look over, sat beside you. I was like, oh, are you Angela? <laughs> I recognize you from social media. So thank you so much. And uh, purchased some candles from you that night. And I've been using the Matriarch blend, which has been beautiful. My own uh, uh. new moon circle. And was there on uh, September 30th, the Truth and Reconciliation Day. That was, it was so powerful. Like it was a beautiful sunny day. It's like creator knew that the sun needed to be there to shine through the beautiful glass beads. I met a couple of teenagers just walking around. I had a, I was dog sitting. So I had a dog with me and these teenagers were like, Oh, can I pet your dog? And they're like, Oh, well we put some beads in and they were so proud. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Oh, thank you so much for your community service. It's beautiful. And um, like they were just bubbling to, to share that. And I think to, to tie this together, I believe one of the core traumas of colonialism is separation. Mm -hmm. That's all about me first. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that is the root wound of a lot of the mental health crisis, that people feel like they're on their own. And then they go into the institution. And as you say, if they can't advocate for themselves, then they're left on their own. And that is a, a shame. It really is. And that's the... The, the colonialism perpetuating itself and yet healing through art. And I mean, usually in the colonial mindset, it's like art's like just this extra floofy thing. We don't really need that, but yet it was shown that art connects us. It can connect us. It helps us feel like we're part of something and we're in relation with everything. We're in relation with the animals and the, the creatures that fly and the creatures that swim and the water and the, 
the, the sun and the moon, it's like, we're all here together. And I think that's the unlearning. We need to unlearn all of the, the falsehoods of colonialism and re-indigenize, relearn how to connect. So I'm really grateful for your, all of your community service here in healing through art, but then also actually getting into those institutions and, and sharing your medicines with the Brantford General Hospital. Um, I've been in and have massaged some staff there. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's like, there's, there's so much potential for us to reconnect and look at things differently. And it is, it's a perspective shift and the unlearning and the relearning. Um, so really grateful for, for your time and your wisdom and your pleasure. And thank you, uh, Jody, for, for organizing Grandmother's Voice and, and bringing the ceiling to the community, no matter what your background is. Thank you. Blessed be. And really, really grateful to Skyward TV and Hopeful Radio for for sharing a platform with us so that we can bring these connections of of healing because it really is a spiritual path to mental wellness. And that's uh, just a, a brilliant mission. And thank you so much. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Angela. Hi, hi. Thanks so much for having me. Blessed be. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everybody, for listening.